With seven games left to play in the 2022 season, the Seahawks' one goal remains to win the NFC West. Which players are going to have to step up for Seattle to hold on and win the division? Rob Rang and I are going to be breaking it all down in our Tuesday edition of Locked on Seahawks. You are Locked on Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, 12. This is Corbin Smith, your host for Locked On Seahawks, joining me for our Tuesday episode, my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. Thanks to all the 12s out there for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. And, of course, a welcome to our new listeners as well. Hope you'll enjoy the show and want to come back and listen again. We got a jam-packed Tuesday episode coming your way. The Seahawks off their bye week, back at practice today. Pete Carroll had a lot of interesting things to say at his first press conference of the Week 12 game week plus we're going to be looking at some picks to click for the second half players that are going to step up our projections at least for players are going to step up for the Seahawks with seven games left to play and a first look at what's new with Seattle's upcoming opponent the Las Vegas Raiders this episode is brought to you by prize picks prize picks is daily fantasy made easy pick two to five players that they score more or less than their prize picks projection you can win up to 10 times your money on any entry first-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on that's pricepicks.com promo code locked on now for your lead story here on our Tuesday edition of locked on Seahawks the Seahawks are fresh off the bye not surprisingly Pete Carroll told reporters today that players were bouncing around during walkthrough they just had a full week off a chance to get recharged with seven games left to play but Rob this is not just simply a case of players that were a little bit banged up are now feeling really good after a week off they've also got some reinforcements coming in the way of Trey Brown and maybe just maybe John Radigan who was designated to return to practice and practice for the first time this year on Tuesday two potential uh bolstering moves for the Seahawks with second-year players to help defense and special teams. Yeah, exciting developments there for the Seahawks. Uh, you know, Trey Brown, we've talked about a lot, um, you know, just because of the fact that this is a former second round pick, a really good football player, um, you know, and, and he has shown his versatility playing inside and out for the Seahawks. Uh, John Rodigan is, is big news as well. That was one of the things that we had some concern about is the lack of depth at the inside linebacker position. And Rodigan is a former undrafted free agent, but as a guy who absolutely made this team on just pure guts and instincts and physicality that, that's something that Seattle has been lacking a little bit that inside linebacker position and we talked about that we were concerned uh, uh especially considering how many run heavy teams Seattle would be facing in the second half of the season so between Trey Brown John Radigan and the players I, I love the word I love the fact that you use the word fresh I think that the Seahawks do feel fresh they feel a little bit rejuvenated because they did have their bye week at roughly the halfway point of the season and during the time when they were in first place in the NFC West. So I think that they are feeling pretty good about things and they got that youth movement coming in as well. Yeah, and I thought it was interesting some of the things that Pete Carroll had to say on both of these players today prior to their Tuesday practice. Obviously, they don't normally practice on Tuesday, but we have the Thanksgiving holiday coming up on Thursday. That's kind of thrown the practice schedule a little bit out of whack, obviously. But 
Carroll said they need to see how Brown competes this week before they really know where he's going to fit into their game plan against the Raiders. But at least from what I could take from his comments, it does sound to me like the Seahawks are very interested in being able to get him out there at left cornerback. And Carroll also indicated that today. There's not going to be any change-ups. They're not going to be swinging him over to right cornerback. And it doesn't sound like slot either. They're going to play him where he played last year before he got hurt at left cornerback, the position he's got the most NFL experience at. And quite frankly, that might be his best opportunity to get on the field, as well as Mike Jackson has played this year. You're not going to be taking over for Tariq Woolen on the right side, defensive rookie of the year front runner, and maybe an all-pro caliber player as a rookie and Kobe Bryant's been pretty solid creating turnovers in the slot and that's not something that Brown has done a lot of so this really seems like the perfect situation for him they can get him back up to speed maybe get him a handful of snaps at left corner rotating in with Mike Jackson he's gonna have to earn those opportunities though and I think that's why Carol made sure to emphasize we got to see how he competes this week it sounds like he's feeling pretty trigger happy about getting him on the field though in some capacity so I would be surprised if he doesn't have any setbacks obviously if he's not out there getting some defensive snaps against the Raiders. And as for John Radigan, I think that Radigan still maybe has a future playing beyond special teams for this team. If he can get back completely healthy, this is a kid that last year had a hamstring injury in his rookie training camp, missed most of camp. And you and I both left that third preseason game against the Chargers a little bit mind blown with how productive he was in that game. He'd never played in NFL action, had like two practices under his belt, and he was out there just making tackles left and right. And this kid is just so instinctive and he's tough and he can get off blocks. I actually think he might be a pretty good fit for a hybrid 3-4 defense as an inside linebacker. But right now where he's really going to fit in is his ability to get down the field and make plays on kick and punt coverage. He had 10 tackles last year on special teams. He also had a fumble recovery. I believe Nick Ballore was the one that forced that fumble on a kickoff. And so he was very active last year. He's a guy that can play some up back for you. So that value on special teams, especially with some of the other little injuries the Seahawks have had in the third phase of the game, that's going to make him a very valuable addition. They don't have to rush him back. He's now got a three-week window till he has to be activated. But Carroll's comments today made me think that he is definitely trending in the right direction to be able to get back on the roster within those three weeks. And that will be a nice addition, no question, to their special teams. Oh, absolutely. I mean, special teams has been one of the things that's been very up and down for the Seahawks this season. And I, while I have been encouraged by what we've seen from Larry Izzo's group here in the last few weeks, still, uh, I think anytime you have a, a, a defender like John Radigan, who is just the open field tackler that he is and plays with the passion that he does, then that is huge. And I was a little bit remiss earlier. I mentioned Trey Brown. Uh, he's a fourth round pick, of course, not as a second round pick, but still the, the point being that this is a guy who does have terrific instincts, does has athletic ability, does have that experience on the inside and out. I don't know that he necessarily is going to play a lot this week against the Las Vegas Raiders who are coming off of a big win in which Devontae Adams went absolutely off against the Denver Broncos, including the walk-off uh, you know, touchdown reception in overtime to beat the Broncos. But at the same time, I think considering the fact that Derek Carr and uh, Devontae Adams are really clicking on all cylinders here the last couple of weeks, any reinforcements that Seattle can get in the secondary, I think that is perfect timing. And we'll have a chance to break this down in our matchup Wednesday episode because I'm sure we'll be talking quite a bit about Devontae Adams against the Seahawks corners. But that is a really tall task to throw 
Trey Brown back into the lineup first game back. Hey, there's a chance that Devontae Adams could be across from you. That might not be the best situation in terms of a first game coming off a severe knee injury challenge, but you know, the Seahawks have been very patient with bringing him back. And if they're confident he can handle that, then they're going to put him out there and give him some reps. So I'm intrigued to see where that goes. As far as other injured players, didn't get any specific names throw out, thrown out there, but Daryl Johnson, Elton Robinson are both on injured reserve. And it doesn't sound like either one of them is close to returning to practice. And at least in Robinson's case, that's pretty disappointing because a month and a half ago, it looked like he was getting close to returning to practice. And yet here we are now week 12, and it still looks like he's a little ways away from being able to get on the field. And they also have Isaiah Dunn, the corner that injured his hamstring early in the season that they claimed off waivers. His name not mentioned specifically today, but again, Carol said there were several guys that have a chance to get back, but probably aren't going to be making that quick turnaround. So there are a few players they got some discouraging updates on kind of from a general standpoint, but they're going to have Trey Brown back this week, at least on special teams. I expect he's going to play some defense and John Radigan now getting that practice window open, a good chance for him to get back in the next few weeks and reinforce Seattle's special teams. Coming up next, we're heading into the second half of the schedule. Rob and I are going to be dishing out our second half picks to click. Which players on offense, defense, and special teams are we banking on having big second halves for the Seahawks? We're going to be breaking that all down here. Coming up next in our Tuesday edition of Locked on Seahawks. This episode is brought your way by Prize Picks. We're officially in week 12 of the 2022 season, and I'm rolling with Lamar Jackson to bust out of a mini slump with three combined touchdowns against the Jaguars. That might not seem like a bold leap, but with Prize Picks, it's easy to play daily fantasy and put those entries to the test. Pick two to five players, and if they score more or less than their Prize Picks projection, you can win up to 10 times your money on any entry. No competing against other people, it's just you versus the projections available. Price Picks offers projections on any sport you watch, whether it's the NFL, NBA, MLB, PGA, even NASCAR. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. Safe and fast withdrawals and currently operational in over 30 states as well as Canada. Download the Price Picks app today or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match. Up to $100 with the promo code locked on. If you deposit $50, Price Picks will give you $50. Don't forget to enter the promo code locked on and sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. Turo is the world's largest car sharing marketplace. With Turo, you can book any car you want wherever you want it from a community of local hosts. Browse a huge selection of vehicles for just about any occasion or budget across the U.S., Canada, the U.K., and soon in Australia. Book a spacious SUV or minivan for a family road trip. Get a classic or luxury car for a special event, birthday, or holiday. Find affordable economy cars if you're on a budget and just need to get from A to B. Test drive that new electric vehicle you've had your eye on to see how it fits your everyday life. Many Turo hosts can even deliver the car right to you. Every trip is backed by liability insurance. Terms, conditions, and exclusions apply. Ditch boring rental cars and find your drive at Turo.com. You're listening to the Tuesday edition of Locked On Seahawks. This is your host, Corbett Smith. Glad to be joined, as always, by my co-host in crime, Rob Brang. A special thanks to all the 12s out there who make Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. For your second listen today, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports Today is available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, as well as other major 
podcast platforms. All right, Rob, we are officially in the second half of the season for the Seahawks, coming out of their bye week and open with the Raiders at home on Sunday at Lumen Field. Seven games left. They're tied with the 49ers atop the NFC West. There's a lot at stake the next seven weeks. They do get five games at home. We've talked about team goals over the past couple of episodes. I want to take a bit more of a micro approach today. Let's look at individuals that we expect are going to rise to the occasion and play well for the Seahawks to push for an NFC West title. Our picks to click for the second half. Without further ado, going to start with you. Let's go on offense. Who is one player? It can be a star. It could be maybe a surprise wildcard candidate. But who is your pick to click on offense that you expect is going to have a big second half or you feel needs to have a big second half for the Seahawks to take care of business and win this division? Yeah, I, I took the latter approach, Corbin. Somebody who I not only expect to take a, a or have a big second half, but I think that the Seahawks need to have a big second half. And, and that would be the rookie running back, Ken Walker III. And, you know, yesterday during yesterday's show, we talked about the possibility of Seattle perhaps putting a claim or perhaps signing Melvin Gordon, who was recently released from Denver. And this single biggest reason why I didn't think that Seattle might be as interested in doing that as they may have been with some of the other running backs like Eno Benjamin, who was released for the Arizona Cardinals previously, is just because I really have been encouraged by what I've seen from Ken Walker III, as well as Travis Homer um, and uh, uh, DJ Dallas as well. But especially with Ken Walker III, I am just seeing all of the traits that I saw at Michigan State, that I saw at Wake Forest, and that I thought that would translate nicely to the NFL. I have just been in incredibly excited about the fact that those traits have translated as quickly as they have. You know, there was a lot of questions, at least I had some questions about Ken Walker III as a receiver out of the backfield. He just wasn't asked to do that very much. There was no question he was a dynamic runner. We're seeing the instincts. We're seeing the lateral agility, the ability to make people miss in very tight quarters, that 0-60 to 60 type of acceleration that you would expect considering the fact that the guy ran in the four threes at the four in the 40-yard dash at the combine, but it also has been his ability to just kind of shake off would-be tacklers. That, that's not something you normally expect for a guy of his frame. Um, and then again, his ability as a receiver, as a pass blocker, that is always one of the concerns that you have about a rookie running back. I think if Seattle is going to continue to have the success they have, then obviously They've got to have Geno Smith continue to play well. Obviously, the offensive line has got to be able to hold up and protect him. But I think that the real difference between Seattle being a potential playoff team and a real contender for possible you know, admission into the Super Bowl is going to be their ability to run the football consistently. And that means that K-9 has got to stay hungry. And I would tend to agree with you that I think Walker is obviously a key ingredient for the Seahawks to be able to win a bunch of games here down the stretch. But I also think we need to see number 14 play up to his potential. And he's had a good season, but not the best season of his career. And I'm speaking about DK Metcalf here for those that haven't paid attention to his jersey number. But Metcalf has had a good season. He's got four touchdowns, though. That is the one category I look at and thinking, man, they got to find more opportunities to get him in the end zone. And he and Geno Smith, the chemistry's been there at times, but I feel like in the red zone, I'm not a big fan of end zone fades anyway, but when you have a receiver like DK Metcalf, I understand the appeal of making those throws 
with his size advantage over the corners that are often against him. But I'd like to see that chemistry really come together inside the opposing 20-yard line, and I'd like to see a few shot plays downfield to him. We haven't seen very many of those this year, and I think Geno can make those throws. He's not going to be near as likely to uncork him as Russell Wilson was. It's not that big part of his his repertoire, so to speak. But I think we've got to see DK Metcalf really rise to the occasion and step up these last seven games and play like the elite receiver that he is. He's been a top 20 receiver in receptions, receiving yards this year, just like Tyler Lockett. And yet it feels like he hasn't been quite there. Then you had that injury in the game against the Chargers. He didn't miss any games, missed most of that game, but he looks healthy. He's had the bye week now to make sure he's 100% ready to go. I think that this is the time for DK Metcalf to take over. And I think Geno Smith, he's already been starting to get the ball to him more. I think we're going to see some vintage breakout DK games here. And I think that'll be big for this offense because they need some of that vertical passing game to help open things up a little bit for Ken Walker the third in that running game that's been very up and down the last couple of games on offense. All right, Rob, let's switch gears now to the defensive side. Who is your pick-to-click on defense? Maybe this time, maybe go a little more for the sleeper route, or maybe you'll go with more of a traditional star name that just needs to have a big second half. Well, I, I think if I want to go with the star name, I go with Jordan Brooks. I mean, I, I said that I thought that he was arguably the MVP of this team, uh, you know, when we were kind of having our, our breakdowns of the first half of the season. And I do think that Jordan Brooks has to kind of continue to ascend for Seattle to take that next step. But I, I'm going to go with a little bit of the, the sleeper role, I suppose, here with, with Daryl Taylor. I, I do think that Daryl Taylor needs to be the pass rusher that Seattle thought he would be when they used a second-round selection on him You know, a couple of years ago. I mean, he continues to have the best first step, the best flexibility around the edge of any of Seattle's pass rushers. I've been super impressed by what Uchenna Nuosu has, been, has brought to the Seahawks. I'm not particularly surprised. I thought that he was going to be a stud with the Chargers. I mean, just his physicality, his want to is just a whole different level than anybody else that Seattle had on their roster when the season began. I think it's been matched by what we've seen by Bruce Irvin. But again, if those two players and Bruce Irvin and Ichenna Nuosu are going to bring the physicality, the want to on one side, then I think it's critical that Daryl Taylor brings a different level of athleticism on the other side. We've seen flashes of it in the first half of the season i'm waiting for daryl taylor to take over games in the second half and i just want to see in the backfield we've seen Tariq woolen and ryan neal play really well we have seen kobe bryant force four fumbles and there have been flashes mike jackson has a has had a very solid first season as starter but to really see this secondary come into full potential and play up to its ceiling. They need their pro bowler and free safety to start making the impact plays that we know we can. And I've talked this up a lot the last couple of weeks. I don't think that Quandre Diggs has necessarily had a terrible season, but the impact plays have not been there. We haven't seen the same big hits that we usually see from him flying up and decking guys. There's been more missed tackles than you would expect. He only has one pass breakup this year, no interceptions. The schedule's favorable, though. Now, if he doesn't get to play against Matthew Stafford, maybe that works against him because his former teammate Detroit, he's had a lot of success against him. He picked him off twice last year in their first two games against each other as NFC West foes, but he's had success against Jimmy Garoppolo in the past. I just feel like he is well beyond overdue 
to start making some of those big clutch plays in the defensive backfield. And the way the pass rush has been playing as of late, the Tampa Bay game is an exception. Tom Brady was getting rid of the football so darn quick that you really couldn't get after him. And that's what he's done his entire career. That's one of the reasons he's the GOAT, his ability to unload the football in a timely manner and really negate opposing pass rushes. I'm going to look at that as just an outlier because this pass rush has been so much better over the last month and a half. And when you've got a better pass rush getting after quarterbacks, they're going to start chucking some throws downfield into tight coverage. And we know who has always capitalized on that. It has been Quandre Diggs. And so for Seattle to reach its potential as a defense, as a whole, they need one of their unsung leaders, one of their most productive players, a decorated two-time pro bowler. They need Quandre Diggs to play to that level. And I think he can. So he is undoubtedly my pick to click on defense. Real quick, let's get our special teams ones now, Rob. And we've talked a lot about Jason Myers and Michael Dixon at this point, but who is your pick to click on the special team side of things heading into these final seven games? Well, you just mentioned his name, Michael Dixon. I, I thought that one of the reasons why Seattle had an opportunity to come back against Tampa Bay, and obviously they were unable to do so in Munich, but still was the fact that Michael Dixon had arguably, hit, not even arguably, he had his best performance of the season so far. This is a guy who was all pro a couple of years ago, and now he is playing like just a guy, and Seattle needs him to be the guy. You mentioned Quandre Diggs. I mean, Quandre Diggs was one of Seattle's most exciting defenders last couple of years, but he has been as exciting as warm milk this season, and that, frankly, has been where Michael Dixon has been at this point. I want to see some of those coffin corner kicks. I want to see some balls that are down within the five-yard line. I certainly want to see him catch the damn ball and be able to get the ball off because we've seen too many mistakes from a guy who has now been playing in the NFL for a couple of years. Now, this is not some wet-behind-the-ears rookie the way that he was a couple of years ago coming out of Texas. So, to me, if you are going to have that all pro kind of label again that's the reason why i mentioned quandre Diggs here a moment ago if you're gonna get paid as one of the best in the business and be billed as such then you got to be able to play well when the pressure starts to mount and it's going to be mounting here as the seahawks make a push for the playoffs i'm going to move away from the kicking game because michael dixon i guess i don't feel as as you know, lukewarm on his performance as you do. He had a great game in Munich, had some really nice punts there. So that may be the momentum he needs to start punting to the all-pro level that we're accustomed to. There have been more mistakes in the kicking game and obviously those mental errors that we've seen that have led to a couple of turnovers. Those are uncharacteristic plays for Michael Dixon. But I'm going to go with one of their key players on kick and punt coverage that also can do a lot of other different things like fake runs on punts and – recovering onside kicks and returning them for touchdowns. I'm not projecting any of that stuff to happen this year, but that's what we saw Travis Homer do in the second half of the season last year. And he's just one of those rare special teams players that really can make game changing things happen, whether it's forcing a fumble. We saw that a few weeks ago, blowing up the giants returner and forcing a fumble. The Seahawks quickly capitalized and scored off of that. We have seen him make plays in the past like that onside kick against the Jaguars where he returned it for a touchdown. That doesn't happen very often. And then the 49ers game at home last year, fake punt run, and he goes 70-plus yards for six. Again, I'm not projecting he's going to do those same things, but I expect that Travis Homer, one of the best special teams players in the NFC, 
I expect that he is going to make a couple big difference-making plays, whether that's forcing a fumble or picking up a first down in a fake punt run, something that ends up coming up big for the Seahawks on special teams. I expect number 25 is going to continue to do that for the Seahawks. And their top 10 DVOA special teams unit is even better when they have a fully healthy Travis Homer. They missed him for a good chunk of that first half. Having him back healthy, that is a big deal for Larry Izzo's special teams unit. And I expect some big plays from number 25. Coming up next, we've got a game coming up on Sunday. The Seahawks back at home for the first time in what feels like a decade. It's been a long time since they played at Lumen Field. The Raiders coming to town. We're going to take a look at what's new with the Raiders coming up next here on our Tuesday edition of Locked On Seahawks. This episode is brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from football to basketball to soccer and esports. We've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. Head to their website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline where the game starts. You're listening to the Tuesday edition of Locked on Seahawks. I'm your host, Corbin Smith, joined as always by my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. Special thanks to all the 12s out there who make Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. And of course, our new listeners, glad to have you on board and hope that you'll be listening to future Locked on Seahawks podcasts. All right, week 12 is officially here. It's hard to believe that I'm saying that. It feels like the regular season started with Russell Wilson coming on his homecoming to Lumen Field like 10 minutes ago, and yet here we are. It's week 12 in the 2022 season, the Raiders coming to town to face the Seahawks at Lumen Field. And normally, Rob, when we talk about what's new with teams, we don't spend too long talking about one specific player, but you don't see many teams make major moves trading for arguably the best receiver in the NFL and then throwing them a record-breaking contract extension. That just does not happen very often. And the Raiders did that. This spring, trading for Devontae Adams and giving him a massive multi-year extension. And you want to know how good Devontae Adams is, how much of a challenge that he's going to be for the Seahawks this week? Well, Pete Carroll had some interesting things today Today at his press conference. I mean, every challenge that a guy could bring in. I mean, he's an incredible player. Um, he's, he's so gifted and, and such a great competitor that he seizes the moments all the time, you know, the catches, the opportunities, the big plays. I mean, just look what he did, you know, like last week and it was just classic and, and an incredible route that he ran and, and a concept to, to get open. Um, but he just came through again, you know, and you can see why if he's on your team and then he leaves, you, you're going to have a space, you know, that's hard to fill. Um, because he's, they, I think they've targeted him 40 something times in the last three weeks, you know, and, and so, uh, you know, he's deserving and, and capable, and whether you know it, he, he can tell you I'm running the route almost and can still be effective. So he's a great player. He's, he's the top guy we've seen. No question about it. Top guy that we've seen, according to Pete Carroll, and as bad as the Raiders have been this year at 3-7, and seven, bottom of the AFC West, it hasn't been because of Devontae Adams. He's almost got to 1,000 receiving yards already having a great first season despite the lack of team success for the Raiders. And obviously, he's going to be priority one, two, and three for the Seahawks to slow down on Sunday. Yeah, there's no question about it. I mean, Devontae Adams is an absolute superstar. Um, you know, if you look at him, 
you look at the the addition of Chandler Jones. Um, you know, you have a brand new head coach here, or I shouldn't say a brand new head coach, considering Josh McDaniels is previously in Denver, but still, you have a guy who was on a second tour and has learned some things. It, you know, it, it's funny. Corbin, the, the, the Raiders are three and seven, as you mentioned, but they are a dangerous three and seven, in my opinion, because Devontae Adams moves around so much. And we'll talk about this in you know tomorrow's show when we really kind of break down our matchups. But he is a spectacular player. Chandler Jones, um, you, you pair him up against with Max Crosby, um, you know, arguably the best one-two punch in all of the NFL when both are really healthy. Uh, you know, th- this is a pretty dangerous team because where they are very gifted is where Seattle is is gifted, but it's also exceptionally young. And, and that to me is one of the biggest concerns. And we talked about this in yesterday's show, like where what are the reasons why Seattle could continue to exceed ex- expectations and where are the areas that concern us a little bit that Seattle could start to falter a little bit. You consider the fact that Devontae Adams is likely going to be playing some snaps against Tariq Woolen. He also is likely to be playing some snaps against Mike Jackson, and he certainly is going to go inside where Kobe Bryant, hey, give him all the credit in the world, all those forced fumbles. He's still giving up an awful lot of receptions. And so to me, the concern you have about Devontae Adams, the concern that you might have with some of Las Vegas's pass rushers, I think that this is the scariest three and seven team that you possibly could imagine. This was a team going into the season, and I could go back and look at our season preview, and we were talking about division winners. I had the Raiders winning this division, not the Kansas City Chiefs, and I know I was not alone. Rich Eisen's another notable person out there that I know was all over the Raiders bandwagon. I thought this team, after making the playoffs a year ago and and putting the Bengals on the brink in the wildcard round, I thought for sure that this team was going to be right in the thick of things, and yet here they are at 3-7. and seven. They are coming off a big win, and – A lot of their other major weapons are out. Darren Waller is on injured reserve, done for the season. Hunter Renfro on injured reserve, probably done for the season. Neither one of those guys is going to be available. The Seahawks have to be excited about that because when you have to deal with those three weapons, that makes life very difficult for your defense. Now you can at least pay more attention to Devontae Adams with two or three defenders all over him because you don't have the same weapons behind him. There's still some other quality players, though. I think the other thing that has hurt this team a lot, looking at those changes again, Rob, you look at the departures, Richie Incognito no longer be on the team. And you can say whatever you want about his past and and the character that Richie Incognito is, but he is a nasty mauler offensive lineman. I feel like their line has taken a significant step back. And then to have a player like Alex Leatherwood, who you just picked in the first round only one year earlier, and you get rid of him that quickly, there's been all kinds of issues with first-round picks flaming out with the Raiders. Jonathan Abram, their safety, they waived him a few weeks ago, another former first-round pick. So it has been a nightmare drafting for this team. That's why they have a new general manager. That's why they've changed head coaches several times among other things, obviously very unique circumstances last year with John Gruden being fired. But nonetheless, uh, they've had a lot of things really go against them this year, whether it's been injuries, personnel mishaps, and that's played a big part in them being three and seven. But make no questions about it, as you mentioned. This is still a team, even without Waller and Renfro, you still got to deal with their pass rushers, including Crosby. Adams, I still think, is the best receiver in the league, maybe with Tyreek Hill being 1A and 1B. Uh, A phenomenal talent that can take over games at the receiver position. His 
chemistry with Derek Carr playing in college with him. And they've got a few rookies on the offensive line that have gotten better as they've gotten more snaps too. So it seems like this team, a couple of weeks ago, they were really looking like maybe the worst team in the NFL. Then they beat the Broncos. Suddenly things are looking up a little bit for them, and there's still enough talent here. This is certainly not a team that you can overlook if you're the Seahawks. No, you absolutely can't. Uh, you know, again, where where Las Vegas is really gifted is where Seattle is so young. And if, if Seattle is going to hit that rookie wall, um, then I think that it would make sense for that rookie wall to happen right after the bye week. Physically, your body gets an opportunity to re- get refreshed. But mentally, emotionally, it, it's a little bit of a letdown. Let, let's be real about that. There's not a lot of bye weeks that happen at the college level. And these guys are getting paid. They get an opportunity to kind of you know go out and, and enjoy life a little bit. They're going to have the, the opportunity, hop, hopefully, to be able to hang out with some family or some friends during Thanksgiving. That's one of the reasons why I thought that was kind of a curious decision by the, by the, the Seahawks. Pete Carroll talked about this a little bit, that it's not no, – typical that that his teams would take that Thursday Thanksgiving day completely off. Um, And so, again, there are some things about this game that are really spooky to me. Um, Now, the fact that Seattle is going to be hosting this game, I think, is very encouraging because, as you noted, um, you know, while we can sit here and kind of gush about the additions that Las Vegas has made, those, uh, you know, deletions, I guess, for lack of a better term here, especially along the offensive line, has got to be really concerning for Las Vegas and their fans um, just because of the fact that Seattle's pass rush should really be able to kind of hit the ground running and to be able to attack that offensive line. It's really hard to get the ball to Devontae Adams as Derek Carr is on the ground. And, and so that is why one of the reasons why I kind of highlighted Daryl uh, Taylor and why I think that possibly Chenna Nuosu um, and Bruce Irvin, among others, are going to be able to potentially tee off against this Raiders offensive line, really take advantage of those departures uh, along Las Vegas's offensive line, and really be able to put Seattle a little bit in the driver's seat, perhaps be able to kind of cruise their way to a victory. I mentioned this in yesterday's show. I think that bears repeating. The, the Raiders, for some of the flashes that they've shown, they continue to be one in five on the road this season. Their only victory was, you know, this past week against or earlier against the Denver Broncos. So the Broncos, of course, were a team that Seattle beat already, and we've seen how much they've struggled. So if Seattle is able to kind of do what they do, they should be able to get out of this game with a victory. I just don't know that it's going to be the slam dunk win that a lot of people are assuming. And there's no such thing as a slam dunk win in the NFL anyway. And we've seen the Texans give teams fits, even though they've only won one game. They had the Eagles on the ropes for a while a few weeks ago. Uh, We saw the Colts with Jeff Saturday. They had the Eagles on the ropes and weren't able to quite finish it. So you don't know what you're going to get any given Sunday in this league. And the Raiders still have talent, even though they're missing some big names that are on injured reserve that are done likely for the season will not be playing in this game. They've still got weapons. They've still got Josh Jacobs in the backfield. That's a player that I'm certainly going to be circling going into this game, especially with what he did to the Broncos elite defense a week ago as a runner and a receiver. He can be that multifaceted weapon out of the backfield. So really it's going to lead to some really intriguing matchups. And that's a perfect segue into tomorrow's show. As always, you can follow me on Twitter, Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Rob at Rob Rang. Check out Locked on Seahawks and Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and, of course, streaming five days a week on YouTube. Coming up tomorrow after a one-week hiatus, we didn't have any matchups to break down in the bye week last week. It's Matchup Wednesday 
Thanksgiving edition here of pre-Thanksgiving. It's Thanksgiving Eve matchup Wednesday. That'll be coming up tomorrow. We'll be diving into all the key matchups, Seahawks versus Raiders, coming up here in Week 12. You won't want to miss it. Thanks for listening in. Enjoy the rest of your Tuesday. Go Hawks.